you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, J.C. softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee hover? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, Shane, I'm not going to lie to you in the audience. Feel like crap. <laughs> May have the COVID. <laughs> oh, no. I hope not, man. But I'm going to power through this thing, man. It's it's hard to concentrate. Not feeling too well. But, uh, hey, this is the highlight of my day. So I'm here to talk some SEC football. Uh, and, until until they put me into the ground, I'll be I'll be here. You get it, buddy. Got your got your vitamin C and vitamin water and you know, ready to go. That's all right, man. Mike, you know, they're everybody's here to listen to my hard hitting analysis. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll we'll make this short and sweet. Uh we actually we got a lot of coach speak today. So uh, uh that's in- exciting on your way to work. Uh the coach has got a lot of great things to say about other teams and the so I'm I'm looking forward to that, Mike. Yes, we got some good matchups here, Shane. You ready to, uh, let's just dive right into it. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. And Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. 
All right, Shane, so we're going to start here, uh, not necessarily with a coach, uh, because uh, Mike Leach did speak to the media, but he got going right as, as we started recording here, so I don't have the clips, but not even what Coach Leach really had to say, what I want to discuss, I think kind of the biggest news in the SEC today, the bearded Schrader, Garrett Schrader, announces he's leaving Mississippi State, he's entered the portal, and he made it quite clear he's a quarterback, he's not a receiver. Although this doesn't sound like one of these situations where, you know, I don't know how if there's any bad blood or anything, but I just I think he gave it a go, and this is not yeah. a fit for him. So kind of big news out of Mississippi State, but I think, you know, anyone kind of saw this coming as soon as uh, Mike Leach kind of came in there and, and put him number three on the depth chart. So what was your reaction here, Shane, the bearded Schrader leaving Mississippi State? Well, he's he'll always have a special place in my heart, Mike. Uh, I just I, – I, he just had big heart. And when he played, he it felt like he gave everything, kind of like that – I don't know, like, like Tim Tebow, you know. Just mm-hmm. he left everything on the field. There were some of the – he, he was not afraid to sacrifice his body. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he did, he didn't make a lot of mistakes, but you know, it's, I thought that was to be expected, you know, as a freshman. So right. I, I think he'll find a landing spot, but to be honest with you, Mike, I, I, I don't think he's going to be putting on an sec Jersey, uh, ever again. I, I think, mm-hmm. th- I think he's going to, he, he'll get that quarterback opportunity, but it just won't be in this league. I think Mike. Yeah, just uh, you know, off the top of my head, I th- I would certainly think Joe Moorhead at Oregon is probably going to show some interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Schrader had some interest at Penn State. Of course, that's where Moorhead was before Mississippi State, so maybe they give him a call. To, he's from North Carolina, so maybe some of these ACC schools. I think he'll be given a shot, but yeah, uh, let's credit him for at least giving it a go. And you know, maybe this Good. is what Mike Leach was talking about, where we got to get rid of some guys that are not fully on board, and it's. You know, it's nothing against him. It, it probably helps Mississippi State now that they, you know, if, if he was uh, not really bought into the receiver position to to have someone kind of in that room. You know what? Yeah, and and, and again, we're we're talking kids that that have a small window opportunity. It's not. I don't think we're going to see Schrader on Sundays. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but you know, he's got a small window and he's, he wants to play quarterback in college football. So I, I can't blame him for doing this. He, he was buried in the depth chart. He did, you know, he, he was a, a victim of, of a situation. And so I, again, I don't blame him for hitting the transfer portal. Uh, but also, you know, this may be what y'all know, calm down, buddy. <laughs> I, I, this may be what leach, like you said, what, what he, what he wants is to trim some of that fat, you know, to get this locker room back together and, and, and rowing in the same, in the same way, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just maybe, maybe there is something behind the scenes at work, you know, that we're not privy to Well, clearly there is, uh, you know, so maybe this is what they need, man. Just get rid of some, some, some negative vibes. Yeah. And sticking down there, like I said, we don't have the comments from Leach, but Kylan Hill star running back. He didn't play in the last game suspended. Now he's, apparently not you know working with the team for personal reasons according to coach Mm -hmm. leach so this may be some of the same of course there's a little bit different story because they could certainly use kylan hill he had a huge game against lsu he's instrumental to that mississippi state offense although maybe i'm just uh 
you know, reading between the, the lines here, is probably not too happy with the way he's being used in this Mike Leach offense. So that's one that that's very concerning because if Mississippi State is going to get this thing turned around, maybe start a true freshman quarterback, you're going to want that senior running back in the lineup. So I'm hoping it works out because Kylan Hill came back for a reason to improve his stock and, and get drafted in the NFL, and this is not going to help if he's not playing in the damn game, you know <laughs> Yeah, and, and again, that's got to be frustrating, you know. You you were the bell cow for so long, and now you're in a system that doesn't require you as much. And, you know, I, I'm sure that's that has to be part of the reason, Mike. Uh, I mean, it's the locker room. I mean, say what you want. Colin Hill is a damn leader. I mean, look what he did for that state alone, Mike. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He, he's got a voice. People listen, and – uh, if he's not happy, you know, that could, that could be part of the reason why sometimes it feels like the Bulldogs aren't on the same page. So, uh, but you know, the NFL, they got plenty of tape on Colin Hill as a running back. You know, the, it, it, it seems like somebody could just grab a hold of him and say, Hey man, you know, this may not be exactly what you signed up for, but you know, if, if you could prove your recept, your receiving uh, attributes, you know, which he's been capable of doing and, and, and fire up this locker room and show some leadership, who knows, man, it, it may, it may help his draft stock. So, um, we'll, we'll see, man. I just, I hate that he's not out there right now. Yeah, me too. All right, Chase. So let's, uh, jump on down to the planes. Get ready. Tumor's corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score. Auburn 48. Alabama 45. Gus Malzahn spoke with the media on Tuesday to preview this uh, Auburn-Ole Miss matchup. And, you know, Auburn's won four in a row in the annual series here. But this was uh, not that long ago now that I'm thinking about it when Gus was kind of – it was the – when the I guess that would have been 2018, lost to Tennessee. Gus was on (laughs) the hot (laughs) seat. I mean, my goodness, it's it's kind of a running joke. But guy seems to be on the hot seat. Every mm-hmm. year, every other year, what have you. And it was the Ole Miss game that, you know, there was speculation. If he didn't beat Ole Miss, he was out. I'm not saying that's going to be the case this time, but he's really going to be on the hot seat, I think. He loses to, you know, Lane Kiffin's first-year program. And that's no do- disrespect to, uh, you know, what they got going there at uh, Ole Miss. But at the same time, you're an established program. You got the sophomore quarterback that's played all these games you've won four in a row Ole Miss coming off a loss to Arkansas so uh, Auburn is favored in this one but not by a ton and this is when Hugh Freeze was down there at Ole Miss this was one of the more enjoyable series in the SEC West I think Lane Kiffin could certainly get this series back to that because of what he's going to do down there but uh, you know thoughts on this matchup Shane because all of a sudden you know, it ain't just us talking about it. It's a lot of people saying, what in the hell, again, is going on with this offense? Bo Nix certainly looks like he's regressed. Meanwhile, we got one of the best running backs in the nation, Tank Bigsby. Let's give him the dang ball. What are we doing here? So <laughs> how big of a game is this for Auburn going on the road to Ole Miss where they've lost both their road games this year? Bo yeah. Nix has really struggled on the road in his career. And all of a sudden he's, you know, he's playing maybe the worst football of his career, going back on the road. 
lot stacked against the Auburn Tigers going into this one. Thoughts thoughts on this matchup? Oh man, this is. I I, th- I think Kiffin's playing with house money right now. So I, I know last week didn't turn out the, exactly the way they wanted, but. Again, they're hanging in every ball game they played this year. And, you know, Auburn kind of feels like they're barely hanging on as well. So mm-hmm. uh, that, I don't know. This is a team that has extremely high expectations and obviously is, is failing to meet that. And and I've seen it, you've seen it in the past. Everybody has. It, it depends on the leadership on that team. It depends on the coaching staff. The, Auburn's going to either implode or, or they're going to rise above and, and come out and make a statement game. So, uh, it I I hate to say, I think we know exactly what we're going to get with Ole Miss. It's just Auburn's the big question mark right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach is going to talk here in a minute about finally having the offensive line together and getting Tank more involved and all that. But it, it just it takes more than words, Mike. You know these guys got to believe it, and when they come out, are they going to? Are they going to prove the naysayers wrong, or are they just going to keep pointing fingers? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Gus. Talked about Bo Nix and his performance. I I really want to uh, get your thoughts on his comments on, on that. Uh, Tank Bigsby and then uh, Sean Shivers and DJ Williams, their status. <laughs> My goodness, we're only a couple weeks into the season, but it's being RDS, is this a must-win game for your program here? <laughs> Yes, what sort of response have you seen from Bo this week and uh, in bouncing back after Saturday? Well, we had practice Sunday, and uh, you know I think just overall, not just him, but but our whole team, uh, obviously disappointed that uh, you know we didn't win the game, and just now we got to do something about it. We we got to got to keep improving and and got to put that behind us. And so, really, that was the mindset Sunday after we watched the film and after we had a short practice. Obviously, today is our our main uh, preparation for game week coming up today, tomorrow, and Thursday. With uh, with over 80 snaps this past week, the uh, the, the most you've had, are, are you are you a little concerned about how much of a load there really is on Bo with uh, with 15 runs along with the 47 passes? Well, he competed like crazy. I do know that uh, he fought. Um, he had 15 rushes and throwing and. Like I said, each game is a little bit different, but uh, you know, being able to run the football and, and being balanced, you know, that's really what we're, uh, you know, going to focus on, and, and that'll that'll help everything. But he competed his tail off, and I thought he made some big time runs, uh, ran physical, um, and then, like I said, he, he he made some scramble plays that, you know, helped us on third down too, and with some conversions. Coach, on the passing game, uh, where do you think you guys stand heading into this? And specifically with uh, uh, what happened on the sideline there at South Carolina, I was wondering if uh, y'all had a chance to address what that uh, confrontation or conversation, I guess, between Seth and Bo. Yeah, well, I, I said this the other night. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, very passionate and emotional guys want to win. We just got to channel that in, in a better way moving forward, and we will. Um, do that. You know, as far as the passing game goes, I do think we're doing some good things. We talked about balance. You know, really what stand out to me is the last two weeks we rushed for 200 yards. And so that's really a plus. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, kind of that hard-nosed mentality, Auburn football that I was talking about earlier. So something we can build upon. And uh, the thing about it, you know, when you're playing good teams, you got to be able to do both. And so we'll continue to, to strive to, to, you know, to get better. 
Gus, it seems like every day some new statistic pops up uh, detailing just how uh, effective Tank Bigsby has been this year. Have you been surprised by how quickly he's kind of emerged and what's been most impressive to you so far about him? Yeah, just how physical he's he's running. I mean, he looks like an Auburn running back to me, um, you know, and he, he's running with, with great passion, and, and that's that's a that's a good thing. And that kind of fits, too, like, um, you know, being able to run the football effectively. He's broken tackles. Um, like I said, our offensive line uh, really took that next step, I felt like, last week, run the football with some zone and some gap and just keep building upon those things. Gus, how much potential do you think the running game still has? You know, the fact that Sean Shivers hasn't been there for a few weeks and it seems like you guys have kind of only increased, you know, in, in production with Tank there. How much, how excited are you guys to get Sean back and feel like you're at full strength? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, Sean Shivers is one of our team leaders. You're talking about a guy that had a phenomenal fall camp and really had a really good first half against Kentucky and then got hurt. And, um, you know, so that'll definitely help when he gets back. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's in a great spot. Uh, the fact that our five offensive linemen, like I said the other night, that, you know, they've practiced for the first time Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the same week, all five, all in the same position. Then they go out there and take the next step forward. We can build upon that. And uh, so that's really, you know, very encouraging. Now we just got to do it. Hey, Gus, I wanted to ask you about DJ Williams. He was out there a lot on, on Saturday, especially in pass protection. I know Nathan asked about Sean stepping up and helping out Tank in the running game, but what about DJ, especially early in the year? Yeah, like, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked about him too. So, you know, DJ's a guy that had a shoulder in fall camp. Uh, then he had a had a toe uh, right after that. That's kind of helped him, you know, kept him from being 100% really. Uh, and I think he was closer Saturday. He had a good week of practice. Uh, like I've said before, he's a veteran guy that, you know, has been in the heat of the battle in some big games. And so, you know, to have all three of those guys, and then you know, I want to say Mark Anthony Richards, I think he had probably his best week of practice that he's had uh, since he's been here. And, uh, you know, he battled some injuries early too. So I think we're starting to get healthier in the running back room. Oh, sorry. Is this more of a must win coming off? Uh, of tough loss and heading into your second straight road game. Is there more pressure to win this game? Well, I mean, it, it's a very important game, I'll tell you that. I mean, obviously, when you lose a game, and you, you got to come, get a bounce back. And uh, so, yeah, it's a very important game. Our guys understand that and the big picture of this thing. We need to win. We need to get some momentum. Uh, and we need to play good Auburn football. And really, that's going to be our mindset. Obviously, like I said earlier, I mean, uh, you're playing a team that's better than the record, and, and they've showed that. They've almost beat some really good teams. So, But, you know, our focus is getting better. Our focus is uh, finding a way to get a victory and coming back and getting some momentum. And so that, that's what's on our mind. All right, Shane. So, you know, one thing that kind of got me thinking, now I, I obviously don't want to turn this into a big Tennessee discussion, but the, the, these comments kind of remind me of Jeremy Pruitt and Garantano where – Bo Nix is clearly struggling. Everybody could see that he's struggling. Yeah. Yet Gus is, um, you know, touting his guy. And, and to a point, you got to do that. You don't want to throw him under the bus or anything. You got to say you got confidence in him and all that. But what are your thoughts on this, Shane? Because obviously Joey Gatewood was there. We all know. Now he's at Kentucky. And I know Gatewood, it's not like he's tearing it up at Kentucky right now. He's the backup. But if Bo Nix continues to struggle – and Gus has said, you know, I think we're going to win a championship with this with this Bo Nix. 
he kind of pushed all his ships in when you could certainly say that Bo Nix is probably at his best when he's running the ball, but Joey Gatewood may be you know, a better runner, maybe a more ideal fit for this offense. Mm-hmm. What happens if Bo Nix doesn't ever really get it done and then Joey Gatewood turns out to be elite running quarterback at Kentucky? I mean, that's that's only going to add to the to Gus's hot seat here, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, the running joke was Gus could never really develop a quarterback. Uh, you remember there for a long mm-hmm. time, he was just getting transfers left and right and, <laughs> and, and you know, just working off someone else's work. So um, that, this this is like his baby. This is his project. Bo Nix is, I mean, he, this wagon is hitched to this tractor. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> right. I mean, whatever happens to Bo's future is going to dictate what happens to Gus's. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And uh, so if he doesn't get it right, Gus is out, man. But if he can get it right, if he can get this team playing better, and, you know, they've got plenty of weapons on this roster. And, and you know, at, uh, here you got a true freshman and, and Tank Bigsby that's just fucking – I mean, he's freaking killing it, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, should, that should be, like, perfect for a quarter – like – like if your running game is going, yeah, I mean, think about it. the play actions, just the 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 pressure off because they got more people in the box. They can't. It, it's just, I don't know. It, it it feels like all the pieces are there, and it's just they're having trouble putting this puzzle together. You know, it's I could just see it. It's like Gus and Morris there with with a what with a five hundred piece puzzles. You know, and they just can't find the corners. You know what I'm saying? It's like. They just, they, it's right there in front of them. They just can't get it, can't get it working. But if they, uh, if they, if they dropped one to Ole Miss here, I, it, South Carolina was almost unexcusable. But I mean, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from what South Carolina's done or what they're doing. But if you're an Auburn fan, that's a game you expected to win and win like handily. This was, you, you should easily be undefeated right now at this point. Uh, so mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're up against the ropes, man, for sure. And if they struggle against Ole Miss and lose this one, whew, buddy, I tell you what, it won't be hard to write papers down there on the plains. Yeah, and I'm going to be real concerned because, like you said, obviously Tank Bigsby having a huge season here, yet we're asking Bo Nix to throw the ball 47 times in that South Carolina game against maybe the, the hottest corner in the SEC right now in J.C. Horn. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just – purely stupidity on the coaching so if we see something similar when we got a hot running back here man it's going to be the danger zone so uh let's flip it over to that other side though we're old miss let's go down to oxford old miss old miss you know it's not like uh, a lot of people questioning me i got them pretty high in my power rankings even though they don't have a great record but again they've looked really impressive at times they've played some tough teams and if you're looking at you know the way, the main thing Lane Kiffin kept talking about after the game, you know, if we can get our offense and defense on the same page for a single game, we're going to be a pretty good ball club. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know, you know, Arkansas is on cloud nine. They deserve it. They they beat Ole Miss. They've intercepted Matt Corral six times. But you know, you only won the game by twelve points. And I'm not trying to take anything away from you, but if if you the opposing team throws six interceptions, you're yeah, you're going to win the game. So. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be the key here for Ole Miss and Matt Corral, just not turn the ball over this week. And I think he got a real good chance 
to keep this momentum going because South Carolina, they had a ton of success against Auburn mm-hmm. last week. And if they can do it, I got a lot of faith in Ole Miss to get that done too. So uh, do you think that uh, Ole Miss will bounce back in this game or do you think this is a case where, you know, almost like the Mississippi State offense where Arkansas kind of figured that out and, and the rest of the SEC saw it and now Lane Kiffin, we'll get to his comments here in a minute, but now he's getting those questions like, hey, has your offense been solved already by these SEC coordinators? Uh, well, first off, Mike, I said Auburn should be undefeated. I, I forgot about the Georgia game, you know, three and one. They should be, you know, in their minds, at least three and one. And that should have been a, a lot more competitive against uh, Georgia. But now back to Matt, I just, I, you know, I hate to steal what other coaches say, mm-hmm. but out of all the comments that, that we're going to listen here in a little bit, my favorite was up there in Mizzou. When Eli says football will humble you, I just thought those the words. I just thought that made so much sense to me. And and the first player I thought about was Matt Corral because people were pumping him up, man. My, you know, me, mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people out there talking about just how great this Ole Miss team is and how great Matt's playing. And and when you listen to Lane talk here in a second, he's going to talk about the work that, you know, what worked last week didn't work this week. And maybe this was just the humble, you know, the humble pie that he needed to, you know, to get back and and realize that that he's not there, that he has to keep working, that every team is going to bring their best. They're going to dissect every game you play. They're going to pick out your flaws and they're going to exploit it. And that's exactly what happened last week. So how does he bounce back? That's what makes good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks. So I, I think if he's able to make that transition into this week and, and play a tough Auburn defense, yeah, man, uh, I, I think he it very easily could bounce back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you make a great point, and that's why we talk about reading the press clippings. And I don't know yeah. if you've seen the clip, but Arkansas fans have found it, and they've been sharing it online. But after the game, Matt Corral said, hey, we thought this was going to be easy, and it wasn't. So – I think you're dead on with those statements, but uh, let's kick it over to Coach Kiffin. Talked about uh, what he his message to Matt Corral on having uh, to adjust his offense after Barry Odom's defense kind of provided the blueprint on how to stop it, and then on his defense actually improving after that Arkansas game. Well, I spoke to him immediately uh, after the game. I think even before I talked to you guys, maybe. Um, as soon as he got in there, after talking to the team, brought him in. Uh, spoke to him. Then, obviously today, but yesterday too, he came in and, you know, it was a bad film. Sometimes you just get bad luck. You know, balls are tipped and things like that. This was just, he played really poorly. Um, they did a great job reading his eyes and, you know, he was trying to, you know, do no look passes where he's holding one guy off. Well, the problem is he can't see the other guy when he's doing that. You know, that's um, you know, something that you do every once in a while, especially when you're rolling out. But he'd got away with it the week before, and um, so I think he learned a lot from this. And and we didn't play well around him. 
for the first, really for the first game, we had drops, a number of them, significant, including fourth down. Um, so, bad recipe. Well, you got to work on it, but at the same time, too, you got to get to the next. I mean, when did you ever see them check the ball down to the back? You know, and I think once, and you know that was their game plan. They just sunk way back there. I mean, we had I think ten third and four pluses and didn't make any. It's unheard of. So they did a great job. You know, they said they weren't going to pressure them. They're just going to play deep and and make you check the ball down, which we didn't do. Lane kind of flipping the page here with Matt Corral. How did you think he responded at practice this morning? Uh, I thought he was good. I'm um, upbeat. I think yesterday, I'm glad we didn't practice. He was not good yesterday, as you would expect. And so, you know, went through a rough day yesterday and, you know, embraced the suck. Yesterday sucked. And so, um, you know, we got to move forward and don't let, it, don't let one game beat you twice. The next thing, uh, I mean, it's, it's been said, Arkansas kind of leaving blueprint out for everybody in terms of dealing with, with the Ole Miss offense on Saturday. Does that put into the equation for you guys that you've got to add wrinkles, you've got to do things differently, you've got to change some of the approach? Yeah, I mean, they pay the defensive coordinators a lot in this conference for a reason. So, you know, you can't just <clears throat> get away with what you're doing and <clears throat> they're going to scheme you up. And, um, you know, they did the same thing to, to Mississippi State and Kentucky did it to State too. And so people will copycat it. So. You know, we're going to have to run the ball better and, 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 you know, work different things in the passing game. Along those lines, you obviously had to play some different people defensively uh, at Arkansas. You seemed right after the game pretty overall pleased with the defense. When you went back and looked at the film and talked to defensive coaches, was that still the same assessment? Yeah, I think it was a combination of, of playing better, getting more pressure on the quarterback. I think <clears throat> Arkansas would tell you, you know, in their interviews, I'm sure that, that you know, they feel like they lost, they left a lot of stuff out there too. You know, they helped us, you know, some drop passes and some missed assignments and, you know, some, some tip throws and stuff. So I think it was a combination and they would say they didn't play their best and, and we did play, we did play better. Yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously been some questions asked about John Rice Plumley and, uh, you know, why you guys decided not to put him in the game when, when that was struggling Saturday. And I think you've answered those. But my question is, where does Kincaid Dent stack up in the quarterback hierarchy? Is he a viable option if the situation arises where uh, Matt's not on the field for any reason? Well, he's the third quarterback. And so, um, you know, that they don't get a lot of reps. And, so, you know, we obviously thought about John, you know, it's easy to sit here and say now, obviously, didn't think he was going to keep throwing interceptions, you know, and, and we're in a one score and was hoping that he'd pull out of it and drive us down and win the game. Um, obviously, now you'd, you'd, you'd play John, you know, if you knew after three, there will be three more. So, um, you know, we, he got a lot of reps today and, and so we'll see. All right, Shane. So I think once again, you know, defense has a – Outstanding chance to improve here going up against a struggling Bo Nix unless Auburn just really relies on this running game. I mean, could be really stop or really difficult for Ole Miss to stop. Remember how Kentucky just ran through Ole Miss 
Mm-hmm. So that's the danger going into this game, I think, if you're a Rebel fan. But, yeah, it, it's kind of like you're saying. They got their humble pie, and now it's uh, – we may see some John Rice Plumley. I thought that was kind of interesting. Kiffin talked about that as well because I think maybe that is also putting Matt Corral a little bit on notice. You know, like if you don't yeah. you don't put in the work, you don't do do it right, throw in all these damn interceptions, we got another guy ready to go. So – this uh, this is going to be one of the more interesting matchups this weekend in the FCC. And I know Ole Miss is a, a slight underdog, but it, I don't think it's by many. I think it's about three. And if you find a way to win this one, if you're Ole Miss, you got Vanderbilt next week, and then you got a bye. So you've got a real chance to get some serious momentum. But it's it all starts with this one. You got to get this one. I think this is one that I'm going to – this seems like a complete toss-up to me uh yeah I'm, i think I, didn't i say this was a pick em when when you asked i yep. just I, I i it's it's tough to get a pulse on on either side because like i said there's so much riding on what auburn does from last week to this week how are those practices going right now you know what's 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 the momentum is are the are we walking away saying i didn't get the most out of my players you know i mean I think that's what it has to be. It has to be this team buying back in. It has to be some some leadership emerging. If it's not Bo Nix, then it needs to be somebody else on this team that just you know just takes the reins and says, "Hey, we're better than this." And if because if they don't, and then they go in there to Ole Miss, and they, and they got a pissed off Matt Corral, and they got uh, an, I mean, we've talked about Bigsby. Uh, you know, for for several minutes now, we haven't mentioned Ely over here. It's got more yards than he does. It's got more touchdowns. You know, mm-hmm. they got weapons. So yeah, I this I'm I'm leaning a little more toward Ole Miss just because I, I just think they what I've seen through the, through these first it's the progression. Yeah, they made a lot of mistakes last last week. But if they they have shown in the past that they can fix problems, so if they can fix that, that problem, then yeah, man, I, I this is not a team I'd want to face right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey Shay, well before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie, the online sports book. Head on over to mybookie.ag today. All new customers receive a hundred percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars. That means if you're a new customer to mybookie.ag and you put in the promo code that SEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some, some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code that SEC. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to uh, Baton Rouge next. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Where we got preview LSU and South Carolina. This one is going to be played in Baton Rouge. But of course, LSU is not the LSU we thought we were getting. At least not yet. They're, they're sitting there. I mean, this is one of the biggest stunners in the SEC to this point. One and two. And not playing Florida in a weird way. I know 
you know, one of the best rivalries in the SEC. We all wanted to see that game played, and we're going to get it, thankfully. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, like we lost it or anything, but may have come at the perfect time for LSU. Mm-hmm. See, we talked about it last episode, Miles Brennan. Sounds like uh, he may miss this game, would have missed it if it was last weekend, and this has given LSU a couple extra practices to work on this defense. So let me ask you this, Shane, because, <laughs> I mean, it, it, we'll get to Muschamp's comments here in a moment, but my God, he's getting at, asked in his presser, you know, is your team overlooking LSU? I mean, it's like, <laughs> this is the LSU Tigers we're talking about, defending national championship. Uh, national champions here. How big of a game is this for LSU to to get the the ship right? And um, you know where are we at? No disrespect to South Carolina, but where are we at if we lose this one? Which this is, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you're LSU, this is one of those on the schedule. You're like, okay, this is an automatic W at home. Well, dude, there's a lot of people already questioning it. Uh, say what you want. I mean, LSU's still in a good spot. Everybody, you know, people are still happy down there. I mean, you're just coming off a national championship. And I, I trust me, I if if you give Tennessee Volunteers a national championship, I don't care if we go 0-10 in the SEC in the next year. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to be fine for a little while. I, I may question some things, but, you know, there's they're, they're all right. They got young talent. Um, you know, but if, if they, if they drop another one to the South Carolina team, a team like if you ask, if you do a poll right now down there and you say, uh, do you think LSU can beat South Carolina? You know, 98% of them are going to say, hell yeah, we can, you know, we should, Mm -hmm. and there'll be 2% that may say no, but I I just think that's the confidence they have in, in their team. And, but you know they they don't realize what kind of buzzsaw is is brewing up there in in Columbia. You know these these guys are, are getting better every damn week, and they're not they're not sexy. Okay, the the you know I'm telling you it's probably it's the least sexiest offense you've seen, but they get it done. The defense is getting it done lately. The defense is looking tr- tremendous, and uh, I I think Coach O knows exactly what's around the corner, but. You know, do these players because they're so used to winning. Now, let me ask you this, because obviously we don't know at this point who the quarterback is going to be for LSU. But if it is one of these freshmen, regardless of how good they are, I mean, Coach O says they both got NFL potential. So it certainly sounds like they're impressing. But if you can't run the ball, and maybe they will be able to after, you know, tweaking the things at practice, what have you. But they've really been struggling to run the ball here. Mm-hmm. What's your approach for attacking South Carolina now that they've got, you know, a secondary that's heating up? LSU, you certainly got some good receivers and an outstanding young tight end. But mm-hmm. if you just got freshman quarterback and remember going into the season, one of the strongest points they said was the, the running back group. Do you mm-hmm. lean on that running game with the young quarterback, or do you allow? Do you open it up and and challenge this South Carolina secondary? I don't, this is uh, this is going to be one of the toughest decisions I think of the week in the SEC is is how LSU should go about trying to attack them. Yeah, I think you got to change things up, especially if Brennan's not playing. You can't. I don't think you can stick to the same game script that we've seen through. You know what? What they play three games now. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I don't think that's something we can do. 
I, I think you look at the teams that were successful against them, though. You know, when you when you look at uh, the Gators, well, and I don't want to say Tennessee because that, I think that was that was just kind of fluke and situational. Um, I think they were still trying to find themselves, but but with the Florida game, you know, they just they had trouble stopping the pass. They didn't have any trouble stop trouble stopping the run. So that kind of fits perfect with what LSU's doing. But I think they got to slow it down, man, mm-hmm. because this young defense cannot stay on the field the entire game. This uh, this shouldn't shouldn't be a forty point game. This should be, uh, I think, more of a methodical drive and, and keeping your defense defense fresh. And the longer they're on the sideline, the more they're with their coaches, the more they're you know they're on their tablets looking to see you know they're they they can progress during a game. Uh, but if it's you know three and out real quick, you know what I'm saying. And then these <laughs> these young players are back out there then, and then you're you're saying, man, this defense sucks. Fire boat, you know. It's mm-hmm. just I, I think that's what they need to do. They need to flip the flip the script a little bit. They can't they can't do what they have been doing, especially with with miles out. They've got plenty of weapons, plenty of talent. Uh, but you, you got to mix it up. You got to be, this is, this is more on the assistant coaches. Um, I, you know, coach O is going to get them fired up. I have no doubt in that, you know, coach O is going to probably have his hand a little bit more in that defense, which is probably not a bad, bad thing, but mm-hmm. you know, what, what does Steve Esminger, you know, what, what, what does he do? What does he do to mix things up for the LSU Tigers? That's what I'm interested in because you can't, you know, I was watching the, the game last week with, um, or when they're playing Mizzou and they're down there in the goal line, you know, and then you, in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking, man, what would Brady have done? You know, <laughs> would, right. would, would he have got points on the board? You know, is, 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 does Steve have it? You know, so that's what I'm wanting to see. I want to see, I want to see some script. I want to see some, I don't know, just something different. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of glad you went in that direction. Cause I think, I think that's what you're going to be forced to do. We're going to jump to Coach O here in just a moment, but he talks about the toughness of South Carolina and Will Muschamp and the team taking over, you know, his personality. And uh, I'm not sure we included this clip, but there was a clip from his presser where he was talking about, you know, the offense has been playing very, very well, but we stalled on the goal line against Missouri and we got that fixed. And he did, you know, that's all he said, but it, I'm reading between the lines here, and after that game, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. Eli Drinkwitz came out and said, well, they, we're just glad they didn't run the ball because we only had three defensive linemen on the on the entire mm-hmm. team ready to go. And I'm sure those words got back to Coach O and, and LSU because, you know, with all due respect to Missouri, LSU should be able to punch it in on a goal line against yeah. any SEC team that's got three defensive linemen available. <laughs> so – I think that was kind of a clue to what LSU is going to try to do, in particular if they got to play these freshman quarterbacks. Which I, at this point, I'm assuming that's the op. I don't think Miles Brennan is going to play. I've not heard that officially, but that's that's what I believe is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to be able to test the secondary, you know, 30, 40 times a game. I think that'd be foolish. So I think they're going to do exactly what you said, Shane. I think they're going to get tough. They're going to get physical. And they're going to do it in part to help these quarterbacks, in part to help this struggle in defense. And it may work to their advantage because as well as South Carolina's playing, you know, Shai Smith is all SEC so far this year. Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick are playing really well right now. Outside of those three guys, they don't really have a lot of 
game breaker. So I think this, this is going to be an ugly, dirty, defensive, tough game. And that's kind of what Coach O talks about here. Uh, So let's kick it over to Coach O who talked about, you know, preview South Carolina and their self-scouting all last week on J.C. Horn. He talks him up a little bit. And then he was asked, uh, you know, if last week having, having that time off, how much is that going to help his program? With your South Carolina described as a tough team, how do you have to match yeah. their, their toughness, their grit uh, Saturday night? Yeah, yes, uh, South Carolina is a tough team. They have grit. We're going to have some tough practices. Uh, we have to find out about ourselves. I, I like to pride ourselves in being tough, but we're going to find out on Saturday who can be the toughest team. Just uh, wondering, what did you find in yourself, Scout? You had some time to kind of look at yourselves and yeah. figure out maybe some, some quick areas that you can fix. Yeah, yeah. Shooting ourselves in the foot. It's all about us making mistakes, communication, uh, not having the right gap fits, uh, not aligning the formations, uh, not making the proper calls, guys running wide down, wide open down the field. Uh, it all comes down to communication. It all comes down to simplification, uh, what our guys can handle, I think this week we did a lot of soul searching on uh, what we're telling the guys, how we're telling them. You know, it's not how much we know, it's how much they know. And and, uh, and they've got to be able to do that on the field. So most of all, it was about us shooting ourselves in the foot. Taking notes. Uh, just to follow up, you talked about the communication, and I was just curious, is that to the field or on the field that you are finding that you're having the most? Mo- mostly on the field. Now, we had, uh, we had one uh, miscommunication uh, last week. Um, against uh, Missouri, that one personnel grouping in the game, we called one defense. They changed the personnel grouping. We changed the defense, and not everybody got the call. And they should have, and, and the call was sent in. So that was one from the sideline that we should have done a better job. The other ones were communication within the defensive scheme on the field. During the offseason, I spoke to Will Muschamp, and he, he said he was happy for you and the staff. He said he knew a lot of guys on the staff when you won the national title and everything. It seems like he's always a very fiery competitor and a kind of a survivor. Just what are your thoughts on him as a, as a head coach? He's a great guy. I love him. I uh, love talking to him. Going to, he's always been a friend, always been a good guy, uh, great defensive coach. I'm happy to see him having success. Uh, he's not a big ego guy. Uh, gets along with everybody. And got to credit him. He's, he's got his football team playing very well. He made a change on offense. Uh, you can see the difference. His defense is playing with fire. They're playing with toughness. That number tight, that tight end um, that plays it blocked, he reminds me of uh, Foster Morrow uh, because they have some toughness in them. So, you know, they're playing his temperament. That's who he is. How much time have you had or have you had a chance to – evaluate J.C. Horn, their, their star cornerback at South Carolina, and what are your impressions of him? Yeah, we, we, we talked about him yesterday. You know, we have a, a, a scouting report. We have advanced scouts that do the work, and uh, they watch every game, and, and they give us uh, a scouting report. Uh, he's a great press guy. Uh, he's very handsy and uh, <laughs> in a competitive way, a uh, good way to say it. Obviously, he has great genes. Uh, he's one of the top corners. He's playing very well. Uh, he's an open field tackler, plays the ball very well. Outstanding player. Hey, Ed Wilson, I'm good from the again. You talked about you know hitting the reset button and trying to get some better practices. Do you think that maybe 
it could help y'all in some ways that you didn't actually have the Florida game? Or would you rather have that game to continue getting better? Yeah, or it, did you like having time off? Good, good, good question. You know, obviously, if we were going to play Florida, it was going to be good. But I, I come to find out, talking to Jack, our players were tired. Our players were beat up. They needed the time off. Uh, talking to Tommy, it seemed like our guys came back today re-energized. We had a couple, we had a few guys banged up that needed the weekend to get a little bit better. I thought having the weekend off would help Miles, but obviously it hasn't, so we're going to have to deal with that at the task at hand. But it turned out to be a good thing for us. Our guys could get some rest. We need to, we need to build off of this because we had two extra days on South Carolina, so we should be ahead this week. All right, Shane, so you can hear it there. Now, Coach O's, you know, he's been optimistic all season. It's not translated to the field, obviously, but, hey, at least he's not down in the dumps here. And, um, you know, I kind of liked what he had to say here. But do you think I may be on to something here with just, you know, really seems to be praising South Carolina and their toughness and all this. But, um, you know, I think this game, I think he was trying to clue us in that uh, whichever team is is the more tough physical team is going to win on Saturday. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. And Coach O, he had that, that, that kind of mentality last year that, you know, at the start, everybody was against him. And mm-hmm. we're going to take on anybody. We're going to beat, and we're just going to beat the brakes off of them. Mm-hmm. And this year, it almost feels like that same attitude, but not a lot of preparation behind it. It feels like. I mean, you had some <laughs> serious, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's easy to say the words. Mm-hmm. It's easy to to get the boys fired up in the locker room right before you go out. But if you don't know the X's and O's when you're out there, it don't matter how damn pumped up you are, you're going to be going the wrong direction on something. You know, you're going to cause an in, uh, interception. You're gonna you're gonna miss a block assignment. I mean, that's what it, that's what's the problem with LSU. It's just the little dumb mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard I think I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Coach Pruitt. He was talking about you know. It, it, think about this, Mike. You got eleven players on the offense. You got eleven players on the defense, and and let's say you do. We go ten plays, right? Mm-hmm. And and on those ten plays, uh, you only mess up once. But you know, the next play, the other guy, you know, the, the one right next to you, he only messes up once. So now, it, you you know, ninety percent of the time you're doing great, but that one time that you screwed up. Maybe in a third, third and long. Maybe in a, a, a goal line stand or something like that. It, it's the it's the little things, the little details. Because if everybody's functioning at ninety percent, well, there's a good chance that you may be over thirteen on third downs. You know, it's right. just it's just you you got they've got to get past that. And I think I think what it really mounts to, and, and I think this bye week really helped. Uh, was that they're that they're going to get back to a little bit more fundamental play, and uh, I'm sure when they're rolling the tapes out and they're doing the grading system because that's what they all do, man. It's very easy to look up there and say, "Hey, man, this is where this is what you should have done. You messed up this assignment. This is where you should be, and, and take it serious. You're sitting there at one and two. You're you're slowly becoming a laughing. You're, you're a joke." man you're a meme on on twitter don't you get that you know last year everybody was was praising you and and, and talk about how great you were and, and it was so awesome but now you're sitting there we we've lost to a mississippi state that's struggling against everybody 
We're, we lost to a Mizzou team that, that has lost several games this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, we shouldn't be here. We haven't even played the toughest teams in the West yet. We got to get our shit together or they're going to run all over us. And, and it's just going to, we're going to, it's going to be a mockery. I think that's what LSU needs to do. They need to get back to fundamental play. And I think this extra bye week was tremendous for them. Well, Shane, you fired me up. That's all I got to <laughs> say. All right, let's jump to the other side of this one, go down to South Carolina. All of a sudden, one of the hottest teams here in the SEC East. Check this out, Shane. Outside of Kentucky, I mean, South Carolina's got the longest winning streak in the East. So (laughs) there we go. I mean, take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, they're going to go into this one with a ton of confidence. And they're another one that uh, they get a bye next week. So you're talking about potentially going into a three-game winning streak if you can win this one on the road. And obviously these road games in the SEC, never easy to win. But, uh, you know, playing in Death Valley at night, I believe the game is. Yeah. This is, uh, if you're going to get Death Valley at night, you're going to want it in a <laughs> pandemic year. You know what I mean? It's I can't, <laughs> you can't pack it. So it's almost like the stars are aligning here for South Carolina to have, you know, potentially steal one here on the road. But uh what are your thoughts on on this one with the defense getting so hot? Now we're playing an inexcu- uh, inexperienced quarterback. LSU is still, I believe, a touchdown favorite in this game. I don't know how that's yeah. possible. But, uh, you know, I think this one, this is another one where I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not trying to pick the game right now or anything, but I don't want to say toss-up I because I, I don't want to be repetitive that I keep saying all these games are toss-ups. But at the same time, after beating Auburn, I will not be the surprised in the least if South Carolina goes into Baton Rouge and comes away with the W the way they're playing right now. Thoughts on that? Yeah, no. The, South Carolina is like it's like the Arkansas of the East. It, it's just it's it's just a team that is damned and determined to make life miserable. You you, you can't you can't mark them off the list anymore. We thought we thought at the start of the season that was going to be the case, but you got to remember they a, a couple breaks go different way. I mean, South Carolina easily beats Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, and same thing with with the Florida, you know, it, maybe maybe not as competitive, but they still they ran all over the Gators. They had opportunity, they had terrible clock management at the end of the game. Stupid mistakes. They could have easily stayed in that game, you know. So so we're if if that were to happen and we're looking at South Carolina at 3-1 and playing uh, Florida a lot closer, you know, this isn't a bad program. This is a, this is a good program and, and you know something opposite of what we're talking about with LSU. It just feels like cuz I love hearing how great practice is. You know, mm-hmm. because because if everybody's doing well in practice, if everybody's uh, succeeding and 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 the in the energy's flowing and everybody's bought in it, it does carry into when he made that speech after that game last last how could you not get pumped up you know what i'm saying right. must champ i i trust me there's been times i hated must champ okay I, I hated him when he was down there in florida buddy i did and then he came up <laughs> in that first game and he's he's looked around kneeling and he said I want all these people are you know singing rocky top whatever you know i was like man fuck this guy you know <laughs> so, but you know 
the longer that I stay away from, like the the longer that gap is going, I could see how he wins over his team, man. He he's a likable guy. He's 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 bought in, man. He's fighting for his life mm-hmm. in South Carolina. He wants to stay, man. He wants to stay on uh, Muschamp Island out there. You know, he's got a killer house, got the jet skis, everything. You don't want to give that up. And these kids are all pumped up. They're playing. I mean, Colin Hill, you got Colin Hill. that He don't even have knees, man. He's blew him out ten times, you know what I'm saying? Giving everything he's got. He's like the bionic man. And then you got you got a, a, a you got a stable of running backs that nobody was talking about. The only we talked more about a, a, the running back that's on IR than we have the two that are actually there, and they're producing. Mm-hmm. Shy Smith, nobody's talking about him. You know, he's who's that guy? You know, he's just a slot receiver. No, he's a, he's he's a Keyshawn Johnson. Give me the damn <laughs> ball guy. That's who he is. So yeah, South Carolina is is playing. Uh, they're, they're they're playing on fire. I don't I don't want to play. I'm glad we got that game out of the way, Mike. Because if if I was going back to that one, I don't know if I could say we we'd have a shot. Mm-hmm. Now, one name you didn't mention there. Obviously, I think Barry Odom deserves the title of best hire, you know, coordinator hire of the offseason in the SEC. But not far behind Mike Bobo. Maybe yeah. that's just what has been missing. That's always been the thing that's haunted Will Muschamp, never able to get that offensive side going. And of course he's, you know, his background's in the defense. So it is on him to make the hires, but it's not like really he's the one coaching the, the offenses, but just really has a poor track record of hiring these guys. Finally Mm -hmm. looks like he's made the perfect hire, someone that he respects and has this SEC experience and, I like the fact that uh, Muschamp at many times have noted, man, this guy sticks to the running game, whether it's working or not, because that's what you got to do. And I mean, how often do we hear Alabama, Tennessee, uh, LSU, all these teams, they, they Auburn right now is run the dang ball. Yep. And that's what they're talking about. That's what Mike Bobo, he's in this league long enough to know that unless you got a Joe Burrow, Unless you got a Tua, I mean, you can't be throwing the ball over the yard <laughs> and win consistently in the SEC. It's got to be one in the trenches. It's got to be run, one on the ground. And that is what South Carolina is doing right now. So I think that uh, we got to give Bobo his respect here. But uh, let's kick it over to Muschamp. Talking about preparing for all these different LSU quarterbacks because they obviously don't know who they're going to be facing either. And uh, this was one question I really wanted to, to get your thoughts on on the other side, but on avoiding the letdown that they suffered last season after beating Georgia, on winning in the week in practice, kind of like you mentioned, and then on the play of his uh, secondary here. I know that um, uh, their uh, starting quarterback, Brendan, is questionable. And I guess what is kind of the, the challenge in the process of preparing for potentially up to three different guys with, with sort of slightly different skill sets? Well, I think that there's a lot of similarities in all of them. They're big guys, uh, both Finley and and, uh, and Max Johnson are guys we we're familiar with. Uh, we've watched all of their high school tape, uh, so we we're very familiar with. It. Both guys are extremely talented. Uh, both guys can really spin it. They both have athleticism to extend plays and create some things in the run game, which they somewhat do with Brennan as best they can. Um, so again, th- th- they've been very successful in what they do. 
they'll identify the things that are really good for those guys and what they feel comfortable with. And then you've got to adjust in the game to what they're doing. Um, so those are all things that will uh, factor into our game plan as far as whether, you know, who's up at the quarterback position and we'll make the decisions from there as far as what we need to take in the game to be successful, whether it's Miles Brennan at quarterback or, or one of the two freshmen or both. And we'll, we'll make those adjustments on game day. Do you guys try to ferret out any information about who will probably go during the week or do you just kind of prepare for all of them and go from there? You got to be prepared for everything and you can't put all your eggs in one basket and hope it happens. Uh, so you've got to be prepared for, for whatever may, may happen on game day. And we always talk in terms of even in situations where you know who the starter is going to be, you got to prepare who is the backup and what is his situation. Is he a guy with legs? We always have those conversations in, in preparation for a team because of the, the how critical that position is and how it affects how you call a game. Um, yeah, last, last year around this time, uh, you guys obviously beat Georgia and then ended the season one in five. Um, injuries obviously played a little bit of part of that. Have you seen anything different this year around after beating a ranked team with six games left to play? And kind of how do you avoid maybe the letdown you guys experienced after that Georgia game? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I've seen a, a team from th this year, from game one to game four, that's improved every week. And I would say that in all three phases. I, I think that after the Georgia game offensively, we didn't make much improvement at all. Uh, and we lost confidence, which, which affects your entire team, not just your offense. Uh, so, um, but that's what I've seen that this team continues to improve. This team continues to practice the right way. That wasn't always the case last year, to be honest. Uh, and so from that standpoint, I, that's been very pleased. But I also think, Colin, it goes back to the leadership of the team. Uh, this has been a team that's, that's, that's handled how we practice and the expectation of what we need to do to prepare in order to be successful on Saturday. And I think this team has handled that pretty well. Uh, we'll see as we continue to move forward. Well, you mentioned it with Rick, and I, and I know after the game, you mentioned it to your players about Tuesday. You know, he won the game on Tuesday. He won the game on Wednesday. You know, that helped us uh, for Saturday's game. But your players talked about how they just feel like they've been more locked in after these wins on Tuesday practices. You know, what can you say that's just different in terms of how those practices have been these last couple of weeks in comparison to how the season started? Well, I felt like, and, I'm, and uh, you know, our best Tuesday practice was was a Tuesday of Vanderbilt off, off, come, off coming off 0-2. Uh, you know, one of the better practices we've had since I've been here in the season, just as far as the emotion of practice, the, the juice, the energy, the focus. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I'm glad our players feel that way. That's great. That's a man. Winning is contagious and that helps everything. But, you know, I, I really feel like over a four week period uh, that we've had pretty good preparation. Uh, we haven't had any just bad practices where I just didn't feel comfortable leaving the practice field and where we were and, and, and that things weren't correctable as far as the focus and things were concerned. So, again, I want to credit our players for that. They've done a really good job. And, and I think that's, that goes back to your leadership of, of an expectation of what a Tuesday practice around here should look like and a Wednesday practice and as you continue to move forward. Do you remember as an SEC when you were playing, were there specific fullbacks that you hated to play? Harold Morrow. Harold Morrow at Auburn. Yeah. And then we had a guy at Georgia named Max Strong. Yeah. I was back then, it was an eight-man front. I was a strong safety. And, I mean, they wouldn't let me play in the middle of the field. I could only play the flat because I wasn't athletic enough to get in the middle of the field. And my shoulders are damaged to this day because of Max Strong at practice. We had a guy named Garrison Hurst was a tailback. And our tall sweep was our number one play. And I had to take on Max Strong in every single inside drill uh, that we had at Georgia for – 
the five years I was there and the Mac was only there for three out of those five, but both shoulders, I'm going to end up having to have surgery on both of them because of Mac strong. He played at the Seattle Seahawks for, I don't know, maybe, I know it was more than 10 years, 12, 14 years blocked for uh, Sean Alexander from Alabama uh, in the, uh, in the NFL. I probably be the best fullback I've ever been around. Unbelievable person from Columbus, Georgia played at Brookstone high school. Uh, but those, those would be the two opponent wise, Harold Morrow at Auburn and, and uh, off the top of my head, Chris Bilkey was a good player down at Florida. Um, you know, Adam and Mac are thinking through. I could probably name a couple more, but Mac Strong is the best fullback I've been around. Do he and Adam? Is there anything about Adam that reminds you of Mac from person? What you know? This toughness. I mean, toughness, yeah. and that, you know, and Adam's a, like two mate, two engineering uh, master's right. degree, and and uh, Mac was off the chart smart as well. So uh, both guys, extremely intelligent guys, but toughness and grit. Uh, both of those guys have that. Yeah, hey, Will. Most visiting teams fret about playing uh, LSU in Baton Rouge at night under the lights because of the tremendous atmosphere. What do you recall about your visits there at night? And is it now maybe less of a disadvantage for the visiting team, knowing there's only going to be about 20,000 people there at most? Are you talking about when I was at LSU or when I was an opposing coach going there? Yeah, there you go. There's opposing. a difference. Yeah, opposing. No, it's a very difficult place to play. Um, you know, they got a passionate fan base that supports the Tigers. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a great place to play. College football uh, certainly will be a different sort of atmosphere between 20 and 80,000 or 100,000, whatever they seat now. It's bigger than it was when I was there. So uh, there's no question as far as just volume is concerned, It'll be different, but it'll be passionate. Those, those, that fan base, no different than ours, are going to support the Tigers, and uh, just like our, our fans support the Gamecocks, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, very similar fan bases, in my opinion, uh, as far as the support for, for for their football team. So it'll be a passionate night uh, in, in uh, down in the Red Stick. All right, Shane. So I got to be honest. Last year, when Georgia, excuse me, South Carolina beat Georgia, and hell, they did it with the third-string quarterback because Halinski got hurt and all this. You know, I swore. I was like, my God. They've turned the corner there in Columbia. This was the the one Will Muschamp really needed. This is, this is how we know the Gamecocks are turned turn that corner and they're rising, and then and they just fell flat on their face. So we got to pump the brakes a little bit with all this South Carolina hype. I know it's two different teams, a lot of different players, so it's not – you know, apples to apples here, but that is something that has got to get corrected here. And that until you do it, there's going to be doubters. So, you know, that's got to be something that has got to get corrected here this week in practice. They got to stay locked in. It's, it's kind of like you said, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to go out there and do it. I think that's the biggest challenge right now facing the South Carolina team is just you know, to, to string these wins together and not just like we, we got the one big one and, and fall apart the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think, uh, you know, Vanderbilt can't be your statement game, Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's not the one you put on the postcard, you know, L- LSU still looking for that signature win. And I'm not saying South Carolina's it, but I mean, if they do, and they put up. I mean, if if they if they can put up a hell of a game and just you know not make it a game, then yeah, we can all we can start saying, okay, man, LSU's back. 
But if they limp into this thing like they have every other game, I, you know, I, my money's on South Carolina right now. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, last uh, matchup here. We got a preview. SEC East battle, Kentucky, Missouri. Let's jump all down to Columbia first. M-I-Z! Eli Drinkowitz met with the media here on Tuesday. And, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, he was not around for any of this, but uh, Kentucky's won five in a row in this series. And he was asked about it, and he said, oh, this is my program now. I inherit the the good and the bad. (laughs) So I I like that he's kind of embracing that. And he's accepted the challenge of ending a streak like this because you just can't – I don't care who it is in your division. You can't be losing to them five years in a row. You know, particularly when you're trying to climb up the ladder in the East, but a lot of momentum gained. Missouri, following that LSU win, they didn't get to keep it rolling because last week's game got postponed. But good news is, Drinkowitz said everyone they had in quarantine and testing positive for COVID and all that, they're all back. So now we're finally getting the full strength. We're getting, we got more than three defense alignment, thank goodness. How big a game is this for Missouri where they would have loved to continue that momentum against Vanderbilt last week, but they, they didn't get that opportunity. Now they're going up against a red-hot Kentucky defense. This is uh, – I think this is one where both these programs are looking at the game saying, if we're going to reach our goals and aspirations, this is a game we got to win. So it's almost like a must-win for both these teams too. Both of these teams coming off a fantastic win. I mean, I mean, Kentucky's on cloud nine right now, mm-hmm. and they should be. They beat a fantastic Tennessee volunteer team. <laughs> Mizzou, same thing, man. They they upset LSU. Say what you say what you want. You know, we 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 badmouth LSU a little bit, but the reason we're doing it is because Mizzou knocked them off. They're still a good team, but I it it just feels like the media is not ready. You know, the media is not ready to to say. This team is actually pretty good. And I think the winner, kind of like what you're saying, the winner of this game Mm -hmm. is going to earn a shit ton of respect. I I think whoever wins this game, they're going to say, oh, man, they have turned this program around. You know, Kentucky is legit. Kentucky, you know, this is the team that we were promised in the offseason. Or, hell, Eli is a is a great hire. Look what he's been able to do the last two two games. You know what I'm saying? It, it just feels like this is kind of one of those swing games. And whoever whoever runs with it, man, is the team we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Yeah, and it's almost like a reverse Mississippi State because <laughs> I remember, you know, this is the only – head coach, new hire that uh, kept his defensive or, you know, one of the coordinators. And I kind of suspected, I think a lot of people suspected Missouri defense was going to be the dominant side and not to say that they've been bad or anything, but they did get kind of lit up against LSU. They made the goal line stand. So they made the stop that counted, but certainly seems like the, the side of the ball we thought might struggle is now coming together with Connor Basilak and maybe I just realized I'm never going to get that last name right, Mike. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, Dave, I I always, forever, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking ball sack. And then I'm like, no, 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 don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> but, I mean, he might be the best quarterback. I don't want to hype him up too much. My goodness, he's only 
you know, made one career start. But he might be the best quarterback that few are talking about in the SEC because he looked incredible when he did play against Tennessee. He looked even better, obviously, against LSU struggling defense. But all of a sudden, I mean, there's always these breakout candidates in the SEC. If he's the, the guy, Missouri is one hell of a dangerous team here. And again, I'm not trying to put too much hype on them. They only got one win, but who knows, man? I mean, Missouri could be going on a run here, but it's got to start against this Kentucky secondary that is just intercepting everybody. So, I mean, he's got a real challenge here in front of him. So let's kick it over to Coach, who talks a lot about Basilak on this uh, Missouri losing streak in this game and Missouri trying to stop this run defense. That's probably going to be the key to this game. If they can slow down Kentucky, they may win it, but that's obviously a lot easier said than done. Uh, so let's kick it over to Coach. Eli, when, when you step into a situation where team has a streak, either good or bad, against your opponent, do you, do you play that up? Do you talk about that, or is that just anything before your time, kind of ancient history? No, I mean, I've, I've joined in the Mizzou uh, family. I've joined with the history, both good past and, and future. And so, yeah, we absolutely understand that it's been a while since we've beaten these guys. I don't think there's anybody in our, uh, in our team room that's uh, uh, beaten them while they w have worn a Mizzou jer jersey or shirt. Uh, and so, obviously, that gives us a little bit extra motivation. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with uh, our performance on Saturday. Our, our performance Saturday stands alone for us trying to be 1-0. And the preparation that we put in this week determines the outcome. Hey, Coach, so you mentioned Kentucky's offensive line and the running game that they have. Uh, how do you think the run defense was able to improve so much uh, from week to week against LSU, and do you think it can maintain that uh, this week? Yeah, we're going to have to. I mean, we're going to have to. This league's about running the football, and it's about winning in the trenches, and, and uh, we got no choice. Uh, they're going to force the run. Um, that's, that's what they do. Um, they're built for it, and they've been able to do that consistently, and so we're going to have to find ways to – stop the run and that starts with our with our defensive line and our linebackers hi coach you guys dropped your first two games but are coming off of a high scoring win against lsu uh, what have you been seeing when it comes to your team's growth week over week and heading into this next portion of your schedule what are some of those next steps you want to see play out on the field and as you continue on well i think you just gotta continue to improve each week um you know with whatever you put on tape uh you know week one uh, you know, offensively, we, we, we didn't we didn't sustain drives, we didn't execute critical situations, and and really that showed up again on tape in, t in Tennessee game. We were able to take that off the tape in the LSU game, so we want to continue to see that growth uh, and continue to protect the football defensively. You know, uh, we, we were able to stop the run. Uh, we gave up too many explosive plays in the LSU game, and so we need to. Uh, continue to stop the run and take the explosive plays off tape. And then, like I said earlier, we got to get the ball. Um, so, you know, it's it's a consistently doing what you expect. Um, and, you know, each game's got a, its own life. Each game's its own game. Uh, so we'll see what this opponent brings and, and how this uh, opponent fits into our, our uh, way that we're trying to attack it. Eli, when you talk about kind of microwaving the learning process for Connor, which I think is, you've described it before, just how, how is he at handling that part of the process? Is that something he's kind of uniquely, you know, suited for? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it, we're still trying to microwave the process. I mean, we, he's only got, uh, 
you know, one full collegiate game underneath his belt. He's, uh, you know, got a lot of things we got to continue to work on. Um, again, we, we have to be very um, specific in the game plan because, you know, it may look good. It may draw up good on the board, but he's never run that concept or seen that play before. Um, he's certainly not seen the, the, the variety of coverages that this team's going to play. And so, you know, you're just trying to take the training wheels off, but also keep them on at the same time, you know, and try to set him up for success. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a believer in setting people up uh, to fail. I think you try to, try to help those guys be successful to gain confidence. I think the quarterback position is all about confidence. Um, but it's also about humility and not drinking the Kool-Aid and thinking about, you know, I've got this thing figured out. You know, each week you got to, you know, football will humble you. And I think there's a lot of people figured that out Saturday, that this game will humble you if you if you feel like you've ever arrived. And so I think, uh, you know, for Connor, for myself, for this football team, that's why we have a 1-0 mindset. No matter what you did the previous week, it doesn't have anything to do with what you're going to do this week. Your confidence comes from your preparation. Yeah, Eli, you referenced this a little bit earlier, but you had, you know, tweeted, don't drink the Kool-Aid uh, in response to some of Connor Baselak's accolades after the LSU game. Is that a challenge at all, you know, with him or given his personality, does he uh, stay pretty grounded? I think it's a challenge for everybody. Uh, I think that's an absolute challenge for everybody, um, you know, to set pats on the back and, and cut corners and, and stop the process. I think it was uh, – Something that uh, a good friend of mine, George McDonald, uh, kind of instituted for us when we were at NC State. Um, just don't drink the Kool-Aid, you know. Um, the same people who pat you on the back are going to be the same people that tell you you're the worst quarterback or the worst coach or whatever on Twitter or, what you know, social media or whatever it is. And uh, like I said earlier, football is a game that will humble you. Once you think you figured it out, you go out there and, and – uh, lay an egg and whether it's Saturday or Sunday in the NFL ranks, you can see all kinds of people that have experienced those things. I've personally experienced those things. And so uh, you have to just stay humble. You got to go to work every day. You know what your process is uh, in order to have prep, you know, what your preparation is in order to be prepared to do your absolute best. Um, but if you got caught up, you know, patting yourself on the back or thinking about what you did last week, um, you know, there's always somebody who's who's hungry out there who's trying to take your position and, and trying to show you up. So I don't necessarily think it's something that, that that resonates specifically with him and that necessarily wasn't directed strictly to him. Um, there's a lot of people that were that are getting pats on the back right now. We need to realize we're we're only as good as our next performance. Any updates on on Kobe or Darius and, and maybe Jarvis as well? I don't I was taking a question from Nacho Libre. Um, All right, Shane. So, Coach is uh, kind of doing the same thing I was just trying to do a little bit. Let's let's pump the brakes here on Basilak hype. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if he has another really good game after just, you know, tearing LSU a new one and against a Kentucky secondary that just embarrassed Tennessee and Mississippi State, Mike Leach air raid the week before – Man, how much hype is this kid going to get if he, you know, is, is red hot in this one? Not just him, Eli. I mean, mm-hmm. say what you want. What His track record, it's not sexy. Nobody's really watching App State last year or, or North Carolina State offense. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. he's, what he was able to do with those two programs in a short amount of time is freaking impressive. And now you're watching a true freshman. 
come out here and throw. I mean, he's almost got 700 yards passing in two games, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, what he's been able to do with his quarterback and this offense and, and, and give his players, you know, nothing but opportunities has is, is been been freaking impressive. I ain't going to lie. And that's that's the thing, Mike. If And that's why I like these clips, the humble pie. You know, he's saying the right <laughs> stuff, Mike. You know, I mean, he's – He's making sense to me. He should be making sense to the listeners, you know, and if he's making sense to Chase and this team and saying, hey, we haven't arrived, man. We're not there yet. We got to keep going. We got to we got to keep finding opportunities. We got we got to keep getting better every single week. You know, I I know I know it's a cliche that one game at a time, you know, but it's true. If you can flush what you did last week and focus on what you're doing this week, you and, and just that one game at a time mentality, that's that's what a coach wants his players to do. Now, when they start reading those clippings, which I don't think they're doing yet, Mike. Mizzou low key has been not hasn't been getting respect that, mm-hmm. that they deserve that so I don't think that's going to be a problem, but if they beat Kentucky, there's going to be some articles written about this freshman quarterback and this uh, this Mizzou offense attack and, and that maybe this was the sneakiest or maybe the best hire of the off season so. Kentucky's got to come prepared. That defense has been fantastic the last two weeks, and that's one thing. Chase is going to have his hands full, man. They got a turnover machine over there, and, and if and if Kentucky can keep riding that momentum wave coming into this thing again, that's another team that's sneaky and hot, and um, uh, you know you should be afraid to face, especially if you're a if if this is your first time seeing them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, jump over to that other side. Let's go to Lexington where. Mark Stoops uh, met with the media here this week to preview the matchup, and all of a sudden, you know, all these fans, they probably want us to bury their team, Shane, because as soon as we do, <laughs> they come out red hot. But uh, Kentucky, I, I messed up on one of the previous podcasts. I said, you know, they don't control their destiny. I was thinking Kentucky's got two losses, Florida, Georgia. just They each got one, but, hell, Kentucky beats both of them. They'll have the tiebreaker. So Kentucky's another team, control their own destiny. And the way the defense is playing, the way they're running the ball, that's the recipe for success. I think they obviously need you know, the quarterback play to improve. They need other receivers to step up. And that's something that uh, Mark Stoops talks about here in, in a moment. Uh, they kind of have started to see that second receiver emerge. But uh, you know, you want to talk about a team not getting a ton of hype. I know the, you know, they the Kentucky fans have been living in our mention, so I know they're hyped, but yeah. I don't see a ton of people outside of the damn 1984 stat. I mean, I've probably <laughs> seen that a hundred times, but outside of that, I don't think a lot of people are talking about Kentucky right now, but I think that's exactly where Mark Stoops and company, that's where they live. That's where they want to be. They want to be sneaking there in the weeds and, and being talk like they're, they can't win the SEC East when they yeah. when they're right there in the picture, d- despite the slow start. So, uh, how big of a game is this for Kentucky? To where you want to talk about one team that that can't celebrate too much? I mean, we're talking uh, start Stoops talking about uh, drinking damn scotches on the bus and smoking cigars. <laughs> I hope the team is uh, is not taking that angle after beating Tennessee because. 
We talk about one loss turning into two. Sometimes you get too high after one win and you lose yeah. your focus. So that may be the toughest challenge for Kentucky this weekend. What are your thoughts about that? I think that I think the toughest challenge for Kentucky this week is is going to be their offense, man. The the you know they they did well against Ole Miss. They've done well against Mississippi State, but this that's two of the worst defenses in the country. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, how did they do? How did they do against Mizzou? Because Mizzou's going to be able to put points on the board. I, I know I know this defense is playing great. Uh, you know I talked uh, what a couple of days ago about the bend not break mentality, but you know I, I think I think Eli's going to get them in enough. I mean, they hell, they were able to hang forty points on LSU. They're gonna, they're gonna get some points, but can Kentucky retaliate? You know, is can Terry do something other than scramble? Can can he make something happen with his arm? Can can they be two dimensional? You know, I, I, they've shown in the past that they can win games just handing it off to Rodriguez and Smoke and Rose. You know, but yeah, you, I think it, it's. The, the script's out, man. You know, people are starting to figure figure out Kentucky. You know, Tennessee was able to 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 slow down the the passing. I mean, that that was not a problem with Terry Wilson. You know, they they just the defense had him in such a good position that he wasn't really asked to do much. And I think in this game, he's going to have to. And, and how does Terry react? Does does you know, does he get some of these receivers involved? Do, like I said, do they become a two-dimensional team, or or do they try to stick with the same script and, and just hope Mizzou doesn't score enough points? Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's kick it over to Coach. Talks about uh, it was not that long ago. Kentucky was dead last in turnovers. Now they're <laughs> forcing more than just about anybody uh, on other receivers emerging in that offense, and then. Mark Stoops has always been asked about they have losing streaks. Now he's getting asked about winning streaks. He hates he hates all streaks. It sounds like. <laughs> hey, Mark. The, the first two weeks, zero forced turnovers, and then nine interceptions. The last two games, uh, was there a conscious effort to to take more risks to go after turnovers, or is this just a freakish result of, of playing fundamentals better? Yeah, just just a. Just a result from from overall team defense, to be honest with you. Good things happen when you get all eleven guys in the same position. Uh, we've been fortunate. We've had, we've we've had a lead, um, and uh, there you know, maybe a little bit more predictable pass, although not so much in the Tennessee game because those interceptions happened early. But um, you know, I think it's just guys just playing well, um, being in position, playing good up front, uh, creating some pressure. Good eyes. We're playing more disciplined on the back end. Our vision has been better, and now we're breaking on the football. So it's been a good group effort. Mark, can you just give us an update on Quentin's status? Obviously, he looked like he was in a lot of pain there Saturday, and he's not on the depth chart today. Yeah, Quentin will be out for a bit, but uh, nothing major, thank goodness, for him and for us. Um, I'm not sure how long that'll be, but he will be out this week. Mark, you guys have been looking for that second receiver to step up with uh, Josh Elliott, and it seemed like Dallin Daly was able to do that Saturday. How happy were you uh, with his performance? I, I was really happy for, for, for him personally. 
and uh, because the, he's been so unselfish, they've worked so hard, and he's been working hard, and the opportunities are going to be there. And we talk all the time about continuing uh, to have a strong mentality, do what's right, continue to practice hard, play hard, and the opportunities are going to come. And what are you going to do when you get the opportunity? And uh, and he certainly made the most of it, made some tough catches in the middle of the field, obviously the touchdown, and so happy for him, and it definitely helps us. Mark, Kelvin Joseph, the guy that, you know, I think was, was seemed like he was getting ridiculed through two weeks um, and, and, you know, had some, you know, penalties and things like that that I think contributed to people talking about him in that way. But the last two weeks is I think he's kind of looking more like the guy that, that you expected him to be and, and you know, fans expect him to be. What just – did something change there in between the Mississippi State game and the Ole Miss game? Or? Well, I think Kelvin – you know, we, we all knew what type of talent he has. I think he was really pressing hard early. You got to remember, this is a young man that had to sit out all of last year. So, you know, you need to get some game reps. There's one thing to have practice reps underneath you, and there's another thing to have game reps under you. And I think he really wanted to play well, uh, again, for himself, for his team. And sometimes when you press too much and you try to do things – uh, beyond what your coach to do, you know, bad things happen. That that happens all the time. And again, it's not for selfish reasons. I'm talking. I'm thinking right now about some plays that happened in this game, even up front with our defensive line because they've been getting a lot of pats on the back. Well, they start trying to do too much and jump around and jump out of gaps, and that's that's not how you're going to play effective football. Uh, in, in offense, defense, or special teams, so guys mean well. Uh, but sometimes when they don't do what they're coached to do, they hurt the team and they hurt themselves. And I think Kelvin let the game come to him. He had his, at that position, you're only going to have so many opportunities per game and you have to make the most of it. And he's done that the past couple of weeks. Um, he's letting the game come to him, do his job, uh, focus on what he needs to do. And uh, good things are going to happen to him. And that, that goes for all of our team uh, because there's some plays that we need to get ironed out still. And we, we have some guys that, again, I, I don't think it comes from a selfish place. Uh, they want to do well for the team, but when they're, when they're doing things they're not coached to do, uh, it's not going to help anybody. Yeah, it's not related to that, but, but you talk about uh, not worrying about streaks, and I get that, and you're not putting the, the, the programs past on you guys, but you guys have a streak uh, against the team you're playing this week that you have been a part of. I guess, what do you make of that? Does it matter? Or does it not matter at all? See, there's a perfect example. It means absolutely nothing, right? I mean, truthfully. I mean, it, it, it means nothing. Um, we have to go win this week. So I don't even know what the streak is. Um, but, you know, this is a new staff, a new group, and I, I have no idea what it is uh, because it, it really means nothing. All right, Chase. So, Coach, you ain't got time for no streak talk. But, uh, <laughs> it, you know, when they when they broke the Tennessee kneeling streak, oh, they knew all about that one, but they don't know about their winning streak. So, I just, <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, geez. And, by the way, Kentucky is second now in the SEC with interceptions. I don't know about other turnovers. That, unfortunately, this thing doesn't tell me. But uh, I just thought that was funny to go from – from nothing to damn almost first place. They, the only one behind Arkansas right now. That's crazy. What a, what a, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, 
I can't imagine what it's like being a Kentucky fan. Just the whirlwind that you had. There was a lot of disappointment toward the start of the season, but man, just the, they, these guys are just always in the right place at the right time now. It's like they made a deal with the devil or something, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's like they're, they're playing lights out. You ever remember that that movie? Uh, oh, what's it? That baseball movie? Uh, when we were kids, we watched it. Uh, was it like Angels in the Outfields or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> these, these Kentucky Angels are just putting all these DBs in the right spot. <laughs> Final thing here, Shade, real quick. I just wanted to uh, – I know Georgia's on a bye, but uh, I thought, you know, Georgia fans would appreciate hearing from Kirby Smart after, you know, losing the game against Alabama. Uh, Kirby Smart was asked about JT Daniels. He's going to keep getting asked about JT Daniels to – my God, we haven't even seen the guy on the field. JT Daniels talks Stetson Bennett, and then on the defense, kind of getting exposed a little bit against Alabama. Let's uh, – Let's kick it over to Kirby real quick. All right, Coach, I guess I'll come in hot to start off with here. Uh, being that everybody, you know, loves to back up quarterback, as it pertains to the JT, can you talk kind of talk about kind of where he is at right now and does this extra week afford you an opportunity to take a closer look at him in regards to his competing for playing time coming up? Yeah, we look at the off weeks as an opportunity to get everybody better. So uh, it'll be no different at any position in terms of the reps we're able to get. Uh, you know, during a game week, we get ones, I would say 70, 80% of the reps, twos, 20 to 30% of the reps. But then our threes get a lot of reps during the week because they go against uh, the other units. This week, we'll get to get a lot of guys for reps. Uh, JT will get reps. Dewan will get reps. Stetson will continue to get reps. I mean, we, we try to develop our roster. Uh, and it's the way we look at it. So it doesn't change. It just gives us a chance to give more guys work and see where they are in their progress. And that's true at every position, including quarterback. And just a one real quick follow-up. Can you just explain the difference between being medically cleared and ready to compete at the level that Coach Munkin would like him to be? Well, medically cleared is saying that he can go out and, and uh, get tackled and play football. Um, it's unique to that position because you don't, you know, the quarterback doesn't go live. I mean, maybe in fall mm-hmm. camp some, but he doesn't go live until real game time. Uh, and then, you know, everything else is revolved around who we think gives us the best chance to win. And that's ultimately the decision you have. Toughest thing is getting enough reps uh, once you're down the road of, of being able to get guys prepared for a game. You can't prepare three and four quarterbacks to play in a game. You just don't get enough time to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, we do get a lot of time this week to – compete, have reps. Um, that's, I mean, it's every position. I look at it as every guy that's going out there is getting a chance to get better on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And that's the way we've always done our off weeks. It doesn't change. Kirby, uh, what type of things do you want Stetson to focus on to get better in the next couple of weeks before Kentucky? And uh, is he still your starter? Yeah, like I've talked about before, I feel great about Stetson. I think he's, he's done a good job uh, managing the situations we put him in. I think – uh, he didn't make. He made a couple bad decisions, and some of them didn't. Uh, didn't he? Didn't get. He didn't have to pay the dividend for him. He threw a couple balls that um, he shouldn't have thrown based on the coverage they gave us. Uh, but those weren't necessarily the ones that get picked. You know, I mean, sometimes you get batted balls, you get tipped, and they get picked. Sometimes uh, you, you throw a ball. You know, he missed Jermaine over the middle a little bit there. It's a little bit out of his reach. Maybe maybe Jermaine gets his hands on it more. It's just unfortunate. They picked it. But the, the ones that don't get picked concern me more where we throw into coverage, and we had a couple of those. 
So it's one of those things. He's done a really good job executing on third down. He's hit some guys that have uh, dropped some balls on third down, but we've become a better uh, third down team since he's been in there and going to continue to improve on that. And everybody around him's got to continue to improve. Kirby, I asked a similar question uh, last week, I think, about the LSU game last year and how they did against you all in the SEC championship. Same scenario played out Saturday night, but it was early in the season this time. Do you think concerns about the defense, whether they were personnel or otherwise, were exposed that can be fixed, or is it just that Alabama is that good? There's definitely things we could do better schematically, defensively, to help uh, our players. Um, I thought, you know, there's times that I don't know. I don't know if Alabama is the best offense in the country. I haven't watched everybody else, so I can't say that. They certainly have a very good offense in terms of their quarterback knows where to go with the ball. They've got a as talented offensive line. I mean, every one of those offensive linemen will be playing in the NFL one day, and they've got really good skilled players. So we got good players too on defense. And when we execute pretty well, we do pretty well. Uh, we probably lost more 50-50 balls. What I call 50-50 balls, and it's not just fades and, and touchdown passes. It's, it's, it's situational third down where can we get a ball out. We probably lost more of those than we have in a long time. You know, even going back to the LSU game, we, we didn't have as tight a coverage on them as we did in Alabama. We, we had tight coverage a lot of times in Alabama and just didn't get the ball out. And you got to give them credit for that. And it doesn't cause alarm for me because I know that we got good players and we got kids that care and it bothers them. And we got to do a, a really good job as coaches to try to help them other ways. All right, Shane. So the legend of JT Daniels continues to grow and it's, you know, it's just going to get louder with each loss, but uh, you know, we recap the game. So I don't want to spend a ton of time here talking about Alabama, but I still, I'm surprised how many people are saying, you know, Stetson Bennon, they, they can't win with him and they got to get an upgrade and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I think, you know, on rewatch of that game, I certainly would say the Georgia receivers were a huge issue in that game, dropping passes, like you said. And uh, I think they, they certainly didn't do him any favors. But, uh, you know, just based on these comments, it sounds to me like JT Dale is not even close to seeing the field here. Does it no. sound like that to you? <laughs> no, I think this right now at this current moment, I think this is just it's the mailman's job. And, uh, and, and you know, what's their schedule? What are the, what's, what's their next three? I'm just curious. It's all wonky because they were supposed to play Kentucky, but they got that move. So they got the bye week. Uh, yeah. So they play Kentucky a week later than they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And then they play Florida. So, I mean, two really tough physical games coming up here yeah. for, for Florida. Or excuse me, Georgia. I just feel like if, if obviously if there were, if there was going to be a switch, it'd be now. Mm-hmm. And so you could gear up for games like that. But I, I just think Kirby's happy with what he has. And, you know, it, it felt like, you know, he made a couple excuses for him, you know, and, and true. There were some some of those those interceptions weren't his fault. You know, we get that. It, it's a game of inches. But, um, it, you know, he's. I think he's going to ride and die with him this year. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, I'm about to pass out. So I think this is a good <laughs> good spot to jump off here. Do you got anything else before uh, before we end this one? 
All right, Mike. Uh, actually, we got a we had a request. We actually we've had several requests from the fans this week. I like it. I hope you guys enjoyed the new intro, Mike, because I sure the hell did. Um, <laughs> I, I think that was great adding Sam on there. But uh, another one uh, made another suggestion. You know, we we always like to do our predictions on Thursday so that they come out Friday morning for you, mm-hmm. so you can get them uh, get them bets in. One of our one of our buddies, Blake Daniels. You follow him at at Blackbeard sixty two on Twitter. Uh, had a had a cool suggestion about doing polls during the game. So. What we're going to do tomorrow, we're going to roll this out. We're going to put each uh, game. Who do you think will win? Uh, Are we going to do it based on the spread, Mike, or are we just going to do straight up? Hmm. I don't know. We probably should have figured that out before we started talking. Yeah. You know, now now that I think about it, you know what? Let's do with the spread. Okay. That's what we're we're picking. So we're going to do, we'll we'll do with the spread. And uh, so jump on to that SEC podcast on Twitter um, and and get your vote in. And so when we do our poll, when we're doing our picks uh, Thursday, we're actually going to listen to put what you guys thought. You know, so uh, what the country thought X team is going to win based on the points or something along those lines. And then we'll give our predictions and stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. and who knows? Maybe maybe we pick up on something. Maybe our listeners know a little bit more about gambling. We do, Mike. And uh, yeah, that wouldn't be a stretch. I don't think (laughs) (laughs) it's very true, Mike. You know, so if we, we maybe we pick up on something so i don't know just anything can give you a competitive edge in gambling that's what we want to try to do uh i just thought it was an, an awesome suggestion so and if you got any others man don't feel free to tweet them at us or text them to us or email us whatever we're just about on every social platform it's that sec podcast mike's all over youtube page now uh, uh he's getting that up and rolling so mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I just love it Mike, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I know we got to get off here so you can, you know, take some more, uh, take some more vitamins and whatever, whatever <laughs> no dose, whatever else you're on uh, over there. But uh, I appreciate you uh, uh, grinding it out with us today, man. Getting all this stuff together uh, while while I just sit here and drink beer and just make <laughs> off the wall comments, Mike. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. All right, and if you made it this far, don't forget to give us that five star written review on Apple Podcasts. You can send those over to that secpodcast at gmail.com we'll send you a koozie and for remind you guys we got florida georgia south carolina tennessee arkansas auburn koozies with alabama lsu old miss texas a&m and kentucky on the way so we're pretty close to having the whole sec we'll get to we'll get to all you eventually but uh uh, that's just our way of saying thanks for those five-star written reviews. But uh, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me, Shane, as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Hey there, SEC fans. If you've been enjoying the music on this podcast from Crimson Calamity, you can show your appreciation for the band by pre-saving the new single, Ghost, coming Friday, October 23rd, to all major streaming services. 
to find out how you, that SEC podcast listeners, can get an exclusive acoustic download of the track ahead of time, head to www.crimsoncalamitymusic.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to hear it first. Thanks for listening. Now back to you, Mike and Shane.